The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. This is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe. I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right, this is our first basketball podcast for the 2021-22 season. We're going to discuss the roster, expectations for the season, who will step up for the lost production in the offseason, and just our overall season predictions. Um, Coach Huggins always produces a gritty, fun basketball team, so I'm excited for the season. How about you? I'm very excited, and I think there's a lot of change coming into this season, some good, some bad. So. Uh... We're hoping that um, as you listen to this, you learn something and um, get ready for the season and learn some new new things and some new names. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the team because there are a lot of new faces this year. First, let's discuss the guys you won't be seeing this season. West Virginia will have to replace the production of Deuce McBride, Derek Culver, and Emmett Matthews. If you add up their points per game, you are losing about 37 points per contest. Plus, the rebounding of Culver, the tough defense of McBride. We could go on and on about how important those players were to West Virginia. Now, the Mountaineers are going to have some familiar faces that you are used to seeing. Senior Taz Sherman, Sean McNeil, Gabe Osaboyan, plus sophomore Jalen Bridges. However, the story this season will be the newcomers. And if they can step up and contribute this year, we have three transfers, Kerrigan, Polycap and Malik Curry, true freshman Kobe Johnson, redshirt freshman Isaiah Cottrell, who we saw a little bit last year. Um, they're all expected to contribute immediately. So who do you think steps up this year to replace the production we lost in the offseason? Sure. So um, we actually left one person off of our departures list, and that's a fan favorite, the most polarizing player, Jordan <laughs> McCabe. I knew it. Um, think he suspended. Yeah, one game. That was surprising. Yeah. Um, I wonder what he did. <laughs> I mean, he's always no. seemed like a, a good kid while he was on here, but that's, I guess, neither here nor there. But, uh, you know, I, I think the departures first, you know, it's kind of, I think McBride is the biggest loss. Um, he was kind of the do-it-all guy, um, best defensive player on the team, best scorer, um, you know, great shooter. Um Good free throw shooter, second team all big 12. And Culver was first team all big 12. Um, I think his rebounding was uh is gonna be missed a lot. I think his scoring can be replaced in other ways because he was inefficient sometimes, wasn't necessarily great at the line at this at times, um, and, and wasn't necessarily a defensive stopper. I think he was a really solid player, but I think you know you can replace some of the things that he did through kind of a team effort. Um, so that kind of comes into some of the new guys who are coming in. So um, Polycap and Kerrigan um, combined with Gabe Osaboyan, I think, are really going to change the way our front court plays. Um, you know, more block shots, better defense. We saw it against um, the, the game earlier this week where Gabe came in, drew five charges, grabbed a handful of rebounds. Polycap and Kerrigan came in, played some really solid defense. And they can, you know, they can make layups and, you know, do put make some putbacks. Um, they're not go-to guys in the post like Culver was, but they're going to be able to rebound and play defense, which is something that we haven't had at WVU um, since really Kanate. And Kanate was 
you know, more athlete than a big physical guy who could bang down low him only being six, eight. So, you know, really excited to see how hugs does when he finally has again, one of those bangers down low who just works hard, grabs boards and defends. How about you? Yeah. Um, I agree that, uh, making up for Culver's nine rebounds per game. That's, that's probably going to have to be a collective effort. Not until I see one of these guys step up and really stick out. It seems like they're all going to have to chip in a little bit. Um, we've only seen the Oakland game so far, but it was a little concerning seeing how we struggled, uh, getting rebounds and allowing so many putbacks. If we do that against big 12 opponents, we're going to be in trouble. Now, Gabe only had four rebounds per game last year. He had nine that first game. So I do expect his per game average to be up uh, this year. Some of the new guys, though, um, well, not even the new guys. Uh, Johnson, our point guard, he plays tough defense. Um, I hope to see more of that. Uh, you know, we're, we, we're used to seeing tough point guards play defense, so I hope he keeps that up. It looks like he's going to get the nod at least the first few games of the year, um, but he might be replaced by the younger Kobe Johnson. Uh, we'll see. He could be a special player down the road. But scoring and rebounding will be the issues to watch for this season. Obviously, the two guys we expect to do the bulk of the scoring are Tash Sherman and Sean McNeil. Those two guys are great shooters, uh, but they can be streaky at times. A key to being successful this year is having guys who can step up when Taz and Sean go cold. Hopefully Bridges is a guy we can rely on. Um, but I've seen Coach Hugs also talk about Cottrell as well. Who do you think can step up when Taz and Sean are having off nights? I think it's going to end up being Jalen. I mean, he's been talked up a lot during the offseason. He has the size, and he's a guy who I just think has a very similar career arc, which, you know, this is a very lofty comparison to someone like Deshaun Butler. Um, when Deshaun Butler came in, he was playing a lot of power forward, some three. That's kind of what we saw out of Jalen last year. Um, but as Deshaun got more comfortable with the game, he became less of a post player, more of a, a wing. Um, and I think as Jalen develops his game, he has all the skills to develop into kind of a go-to score type guy. Um, he's a super athletic. He can knock down shots. Um, it's just about kind of finding that offensive flow and figuring out ways to create within the flow of the offense instead of forcing things. So um, he gets my vote. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Hopefully Jalen Bridges breaks out this year. He he has shown flashes of being an all-conference type of player. Um, so hopefully we see that. We didn't really see a ton against Oakland, but those first games are always kind of weird, it seems, for WVU. It's it's a lot of feeling out. Plus, you know, a lot of these guys aren't used to playing with one another. Um, Isaiah Cottrell, well, well, we'll see if he's able to consistently produce. He looked like a guy who was going to contri contribute here or there last season, but the that ACL injury unfortunately robbed him of a full season. And obviously he wouldn't have seen the court a great deal of time last year with Culver playing, but I think that experience would have helped him a lot coming into this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's someone who is going to see some valuable minutes this year. Um, and that's part of the reason why I'm kind of high on this season, because, you know, I think someone like him is completely new to the way Hugs plays basketball. Um, you know, having a big guy who can shoot. Um, now, obviously I think some of his physicals, um, you know, and in terms of strength and, and rebounding ability are hampered a little bit by being someone who plays a little bit more away from the basket and is more comfortable moving around rather than banging. 
Um, so, you know, there may have to be some, uh, you know, adjustments made to, to where he fits in the rotation and who he's playing with. But, you know, I think we, unlike last year, we have enough bodies that we can rotate down there at a center position um, that, you know, he, he can have a, a running mate, so to speak, that could take that load off of him and let him roam around a little bit more where it seems like he's more comfortable, at least what he's looked more comfortable doing the past couple games. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see how he develops as well, because it's been a while since we had a big man who can step out and hit a three or a long distance two pointer. So it'll be interesting to watch how he gels with the rest of the team. Yeah. And, and kind of, um, you know, giving some credit to some guys we didn't talk about as much. Um, some of the new faces that you guys may see Malik Curry um, point guard, we mentioned him, but you know, he's not just some guy. He's a, he's a player who played for old dominion. Um, the past couple years and average last year, almost 16 points a game, four rebounds, three and a half assists, and almost two steals a game on 32 minutes a game. Um, he shot 85% from the line, 46% from the field, and about 33% from three. So, you know, he's someone who um, is capable of producing offense in a smaller conference. You know, maybe with a lesser role here, he can kind of step in and, and do things. But, you know, he's definitely someone who, has experience running an offense and making plays. So, you know, I think that definitely helps mitigate some of the backcourt depth. Um, we alluded to, to Kobe Johnson, um, who I do think is someone who could win that point guard job over the next couple of years. Um, some interesting things I didn't know about him. He has a seven foot wingspan for someone who's six foot three. Um, he was the Ohio division one player of the year. Um, and he is Canton McKinley's, which is a big school in Ohio. He is their all-time leading scorer. So some really good, you know, numbers to go behind someone who's coming in as a freshman. And no wonder Huggins kind of gives him more minutes than any, any of the other freshmen right now because he seems like like a player. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, Let's go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to cover uh, Kerrigan and um, Holy Cap real quick. Um, Kerrigan, six foot nine. He's a, a fifth-year senior grad transfer. He played at Florida International last year. While his stats aren't don't really pop off the page at about seven points a game, six rebounds a game, um, he did block two and a half shots per game last year and shot 62% from the field. So just a, a nice big guy who's efficient, knows what he does, experienced, and can play some defense down there. Um, and then our last grad transfer, Polly Polycap, great name. Um, Another guy, um, this is actually his third school. Um, he played at DePaul last year as a grad transfer. Um, because of the COVID year, he got the grad transfer again, come to WVU. Um, before that, he played at Manhattan for three years. Um, and he actually last year finished second in the Big East in offensive rebounds and sixth in block shots. So uh, the Big East is no pushover conference, um, even with the restructured way that it's built. Um, so, you know. That's that's not too bad for someone who's six foot eight. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, Malik Curry, he I, I do like the way he plays. He seems to drive to the bucket a lot. That's how he generates his offense, which I like because I feel like we have enough guys who are comfortable just spotting up around the three-point line and shooting. So I'm glad we have a point guard who can drive and maybe suck in the defense to kick it out to those shooters. Um, so I think he'll be a nice addition. Uh, I agree with you on Kobe. I mean we haven't seen him play much, but everyone talks about how good and how special he can be. So 
Um, you know, he's a true freshman, so I'll hamper my expectations this year for him. But I hope uh, he develops nicely throughout the year. And our two big guys, um, Kerrigan and um, and Pauly, I, I, I think, uh, Pauly Cap, sorry, I think they will uh, contribute in other ways, which is what we need. You know, they're going to pull down rebounds. They're going to play good defense underneath. They don't seem to be scores, but uh, I feel like we have other guys on the team who can really chip in those areas. And those guys will be nice additions to Gabe playing tough defense. So I like that that we went out and got those guys. Absolutely. And the last few guys, so we had seven new guys come in this year, so trying to do them in batches. Uh, the next few guys that we're going to talk about, um, we don't necessarily expect to play much, but they're just names to know in case they do come in um, and potentially for future years. So um, Seth Wilson, another guard in the recruiting class, true freshman, um, another guard out of Ohio. Um He's, he's more of a bulky built guy. He's six foot one, 215 pounds, broad shoulders. Um, his build kind of reminds me of Marcus Smart. Um, he has good agility. He's a guy who likes to drive to the basket and score, um, which makes sense when you're that big and kind of built like a running back. It's probably for the, the best idea for you. So um, he's someone I'm kind of excited to see how he develops because looking at him on the court, he does look like a football player out there. So um, those are always fun to watch to see how they end up developing. Um, next, uh, another true freshman, Jamel King, six foot seven freshman. Um, he, he's originally from Alabama, but he ended up playing his senior year at a prep school in uh, Las Vegas, I believe. Um, he's a good shooter. He shot about 53% um, from the three point line his senior year in high school. Um, he's supposed to be pretty athletic, his kind of, and, and a slasher. Um, his weaknesses are, you know, creating off of the dribble. But, you know, if it's someone who ends up developing, you know, into a good spot up three point shooter and a solid defender. That's not a bad thing to have at six foot seven. And then finally, um, the one who I'm kind of most excited to see, not this year, but a couple years from now, is James Okonkwu, um, six foot eight freshman, um, played high school basketball in West Virginia. Um, but he is a player who actually reclassified by two years. Um, in order to come to WVU early. So I think he's only like 17 now. He might be 18. But, um, you know, he was originally supposed to be a 2023 recruit, and he was classified by two years. So he's expected to redshirt, but he's six foot eight. Um, he was ranked as uh, 158th in the nation in the 2021 class, but a lot of people expected him to be a top 100 or top 50 guy in the 2023 class had he waited those next couple years. And an interesting stat about him, um, despite being about 6'8", 230, he was originally excelled as a tennis player in England, um, and that's before he began his basketball career. So he's light on his feet. Um, he's not one of those big, bulky guys who are going to get bullied around down low. So uh, I mean, he is big and bulky, but he's not going to get bullied around, but he's also going to be able to put the moves on people with his quick feet. So very excited to see how his career plays out. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Oconco, I, I believe they said uh, he broke his foot, and they are going to redshirt him this year. Um, but, yeah, I always like hearing stories about that, like if they play soccer or tennis, because it, it sounds uh, cliche, but they do seem like they always have good footwork when they excel in other sports coming into basketball. Oh, absolutely, and that that's huge. I mean, it's a very underrated trait for a big man. I mean, if you can move your feet well, you have so much of an advantage on everyone else. Yeah, I'm with you. 
Uh, we were going to briefly discuss the pit game coming up. You, you ready to get into that? Um, so before we jump into that, I kind of wanted to talk about um, where we think, um, you know, where, where we think we might be improved or see some, um, I guess, a step back from last year with these new players. So um, kind of starting off with that, uh, one of the big improvements that I see is the depth. Um, last year, we only had seven players play over 15 minutes a game and eight over 10. Uh, we know with Bob, um, he likes to play 10 or 11 guys, spread out the minutes. And if he's pressing, which he did against Oakland, um, you know, he likes to go that even deeper in the bench, especially when there's fouls. So um, I think that's big um, because last year it seemed like at the end of the bench after um, Oscar left and then, you know, just the lack of, you know, quality guys at the end of the bench, it hurt us a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I remember there were sometimes, you know, Culver getting so many minutes, he would get tired. They they kind of had to put Gabe underneath for him because we were so short, uh, big guys. So I'm with you. Yeah, it does seem like we have a lot of guys who Coach Huggins will trust and they're, they're able to give you quality minutes. So that's always a plus. Yeah, and another thing that uh, I thought is definitely, you know, we touched on already is in the interior defense. But I think with the, the depth and the, the bigger guys who can bang down low, I think we can play different styles. So when we were pressed Virginia, we had a whole bunch of longer, more athletic guys, not necessarily guys who could guard one-on-one or protect the rim necessarily unless Kanate was out there. Um, now I think we can press a little bit. We can play some zone. We can play some man-to-man. I think we have enough guys and enough varying skill sets that we can do some different things to adjust to mid game. And we've seen Bob do that, especially with, um, you know, that year we had Deshaun and Wellington Smith and all those other guys. We made that final four run. Um, we were always switching defenses. So um, kind of hoping a little bit that we see a little bit more of that um, because it just makes us harder to play against. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, just like you were talking about with the depth, I think we'll be able to press more effectively this year as well um they looked very aggressive granted we were playing oakland you know that's not the level of competition we'll be playing most of the year but um i will i am kind of excited to see like maybe more pressing than we did last year because it seemed like uh you know this the press wasn't as successful as it normally is for a bob huggins team last year so it will be interesting to see how he how he runs his defense yeah, and that's kind of one of the areas that I have as concern is I hope we I hope we press, but I also hope we don't do it full time like we did before, because I just don't think we have the the guys to do it full time. Like we don't have Javon Carter, someone who just has an endless engine and the quickest hands out of anyone in the league who can just make life miserable for other players. We have a whole bunch of really solid guys. We have some length, so um, you know pressing could be effective at times, especially against teams with you know, young or, you know, turnover prone guards, but it's going to depend on the matchup. Yeah. And also pressing all game, that's going to wear your legs out. And I feel like a lot of our points this year are going to come from shooters, not so much driving to the bucket, but uh, shooting threes and shooting deep twos. And so if you press all game, you're also going to hurt your offensive production as well. Yeah. And that's actually leads into my um, second concern is, you know, outside of Taz, who I, I think is, you know, in some ways better than than Deuce McBride at creating offense. I think he has more moves. He's more aggressive at attacking the rim where Deuce would kind of pull up. 
But outside of him, you know, we really don't have a secondary guy who can create off the dribble. Um, you know, maybe it's Kobe eventually, maybe Curry can step up and do some of that. But, you know, we saw Sean, he, he's never been an off the dribble guy. Um, Jalen Bridges, you know, I think we've seen it from time to time attacking closeouts. Um, but he's still not someone who has the, the, the arsenal of dribble moves to go out there and isolate and take someone one-on-one off the dribble and create a shot. So kind of concerned to see who comes up as that number two guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Like we talked about earlier, Taz and, and Sean are probably going to get most of the points, but who is going to be that other guy? Because there's there's going to be times, uh, you know, Taz isn't going to be on the court or he's going to be having an off night. And who are you going to rely on? Last year, it was always Deuce. Anytime those shooters went cold, we could rely on Deuce to create offense and maybe pick up the scoring for five, ten straight minutes in a game so that we're not, uh, getting down by double digits. So I'm with you. That is a big concern. Lots of new faces, lots of question marks. So hopefully we see someone step up in the next month or so. And then my my final concern is, and it kind of has to do with the, the lineup we trotted out the first game. It's the lack of size that we're, we're starting out with. I mean, it seems like um, Huggins kind of wants to play Taz at the two, Sean at the three, and then Kedrian or uh, Malik at the point guard with Jalen at the four and then Cottrell or someone else at the five. And that's, you know, kind of like we touched on earlier where we had that those rebounding issues where we do have some size, but we're not really playing it because we want to play Taz and Sean at the same time because they both deserve to. So um, I'm kind of concerned with that forward depth where you're basically going at, you know, small forward and power forward, six, three, six, six. Most teams are going to be big, bigger than you there. Even if you do have a six foot ten guy at center, you know those small forwards and for, power forwards. Those guys are supposed to grab some rebounds too. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely want to see how we're planning on rebounding with that lack of size. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that we struggled even against a team like Oakland uh, was concerning. I, I heard, I think it was. Um, Huggins press conference he said he's just those guys are going to be sore because he's just going to work on box out drills Um, but you know if you're at a huge height disadvantage in most games you know sometimes there's only so much you can do about it yeah definitely a concern one thing I was thinking of too and I wanted to get your thoughts on it is Mm -hmm. you know a lineup where you know because I think Taz is a good you know ball handler and distributor running him at point with Pat with uh, Sean at the two maybe move Jalen to three and then you can have Cottrell or Gabe at the four. And then one of those other two, or even Polycap or Kerrigan at the, the center position. Um, you know, you lose more of a true point guard, but Deuce wasn't really a true point guard coming into last year either. So um, I don't know. I just think it's something that would be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, um, I'd like to see him mess with it a little bit. Uh, we'll see though. I'm not sure. Huggy Bear would be open to that, but it would be interesting to put out there, even if it was just for like a span of three or four minutes, just to see if it uh, turns into points. Definitely. All right. So let's get into Pitt. So um, Pitt is coming off of a 10 and 12 season last year. They were six and 10 in the ACC. And this year, um, not expected to do much better. Predicted to finish second to last in the ACC. They had five departures from a team that finished six and 10 in the ACC. Four of those were transfers. Their best player actually 
um, entered the draft. I'm not sure if he was drafted, but I know he ended up signing with the Raptors. Um, so not really a strong team, and they already lost to the Citadel. So, you know, it just kind of goes to show. On top of that, the two players who were predicted to be their leading scorers, um, Horton and Sabande. Um, Horton was arrested um, on the south side for assault on a police officer. So he is probably going to be out for some time. And Sabande um, is injured. I think he had an ACL tear, so he's probably out for the season. Um, so it's just kind of seems like Pitts and Shambles um, kind of seeing that they lost, you know, pretty handily against a, a Citadel team, which really doesn't add up to much, um, is, is, is interesting. But they did add some players. Um, I'm going to butcher some of these names. Um, Gouye from Stony Brook, 9.7 points per game and 7.1 rebounds per game playing for Stony Brook. I'm not sure what conference they play in. Um, I think it might be the Colonial, so it's not really much to speak of and not sure how much that matters. Um, Burton, who played from Texas Tech, he's a six foot five guard. Um, he didn't play much for Texas Tech last year, but he did play for Wichita State the year before that, and he put up some solid numbers. Um, and then Oladapo from Oakland, um, who we just played, um, who averaged 13 points per game and 8.8 .8 rebounds per game. So um, that's who they had coming in and who they have leaving. Um, what are your thoughts on Pitt and the matchup coming up? Yeah, so like, like you already said, they got absolutely thumped by Citadel, 78-63. to 63. And then um, even if you look at the stats, it's pretty bad. They only shot 38%, 11% from three. And Pitt's a team, they shot under 50% from the free throw line. And I saw they struggled a lot from the free throw line even last year. So it looks like it's going to be another long season for the Pitt Panthers, which, hey, as Mountaineer fans, you know, I'm not going to feel too bad for them. That's got to stink, though, to, to watch a team like that. I was reading they have like what seven or eight scholarship players. I mean they wow. they they barely have a team of scholarship players to put out there. Um, I bet they're wishing they had Jamie Dixon back right about now. Yeah. I mean that's what we always talk about. We were just talking about this with Gary Patterson. Careful what you wish for. I mean sometimes these teams think that if they get rid of this coach who can't get them over the hump, that everything's going to change. A lot of the times, this is the result. Once you force out that coach who has a track record of success, typically the program tanks a little bit. And that's what we're seeing from Pitt. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised, though, because um, Jeff Capel, I mean, he played, he coached under Coach K for a while. So him coming in and just kind of, the, the you don't expect the program to end up nosediving after you bring in a guy like that. But, I mean, it's also Coach K, so how much does another coach actually need to do? Uh, maybe he's more of a recruiting guy rather than X's and O's guys or vice versa. And he just can't recruit people to fit. So um, really interesting situation. But the, the two standouts for Pitt um, in that game against the Citadel were Hugley, a center. I believe he goes six foot eight or six foot nine, about 280 pounds. So he is a he is a tree stump in there. Um, 27 points, 10 rebounds um, against the Citadel. But last year as a true freshman, um, he only averaged five and four point five points, four point three rebounds. So it's kind of hard to tell how much of that outburst was because he was the only guy who could do it against a team like the Citadel, and he was so big, or and how much was just him developing as a player. 
Um, the other player who I actually think was a little bit more legit to to form is Odukale. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he is a point guard. Um, he had 20 points, four assists. Um, he did not shoot any threes, and he shot under 50% from the line. But um, he was a guy who last year came on strong towards the end of the season as a point guard, scoring and distributing. Um, he is not a three-point shooter at all. Um, he's a guy who likes to drive and dish. So, um, you know, with our improved interior defense, you know, maybe it's not as big of a deal to deal with someone like him. But I still don't think he's someone who can single-handedly beat us coming up tomorrow. No, I, I don't think so either. In fact, I think this is a game West Virginia should win comfortably. The fact that it's a rivalry might make it closer than it should be, but I think the Mountaineers come out on top on this one. Um, and, and honestly, these are the type of games you need to win if you want to make the tournament this year. You don't want to be looking back and wishing that this is a game that you didn't like get away from you. Definitely. So, uh, you know, I know it's a sold-out house. Um you know, make sure you cheer on your Mountaineers if you're going. If not, watch on TV and hopefully enjoy the win. I mean, the, the showing against Oakland was rough game one. We didn't really talk about it here, but it's the first game. So it's really kind of hard to get a feel for how much of what is actually happening is something that's a trend or it's just shaking off rust. Um, another thing to note, too, is, you know, you can definitely tell Taz has been beat up, um, you know, in the Akron scrimmage. And then in Oakland, he was coming out, rubbing his thigh at his calf. So um, definitely some sort of strain going on, but they need him and he's playing. Um, I would have liked to rest him a little bit more in that game, but I'm not the coach. Um, but hopefully he heals well and is ready for some of our tougher games in the regular season. So um, with that, um, let's go into predictions. So um, with uh, you know multiple guys leaving, about <laughs> half of a roster full of players coming in, um hard team to predict but uh let's start off with you what, what do you think wvu will accomplish this year so i saw joe uh lenardi projected west virginia to make it to a sweet 16 this year i hope he's right i honestly think you know i don't think that's outrageous to say but i don't think my expectations are that high i think if wvu wins 20 games this year then the fans should be happy with that and uh, that might mean that they only go about 500 in conference play. But this is a team who's trying to replace two very talented guys from last season. And it's it's hard asking a lot of new players to step in and to replace that production. So uh, there's going to be rough patches this year. It, it's going to take time for these guys to gel and get used to playing with one another. I think we are going to see some great games from this team when they play aggressive defense, force turnovers, and catch fire shooting the ball. But I also think there's going to be games when our defense is going to be overly aggressive, get in foul trouble, let people pass them, not rebound well, and can't make a bucket to save our life. You know, we're just going to have some up and down games. So I expect a very up and down season overall. But I say we go 20 and 11. And of course, yeah, I think that would be plenty to make the NCAA tournament. Um, how deep they go in the tournament, I don't know. I'd say they probably don't make a deep run. Like I said, this is a team who's going to be cold in some games. And when you do that in the tournament, you're not going to make it far. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm a little bit more optimistic, but um, I want to caveat all this with saying that 
I'm a huge Taz Sherman homer. I have been since he committed. Um, you know, when he came in, he was a guy who kind of fit what the modern NBA wants to do. Um, score layups, make free throws, make threes. Um, I think he's really skilled at creating shots. He may not be the best defender. I think he's solid. But, you know, I, I do think that he is a guy who can kind of go in there and create shots and shots that he likes um, pretty pretty regularly. And I think some of the Big 12 defenders acknowledge that in that anonymous player survey, which we talked about where he received the most votes as the most un, hard, the hardest guy to guard in the Big 12. Um, and I have confidence in Huggins, so I'm a little bit more optimistic in my prediction. I think he has enough big guys and uh, defensive guards that he can kind of figure out what pairing works most and then get that rotation down to, you know, 10, nine or 10 guys um, play the best ones and that play his style of ball. And I think all the guys that we have on here can shoot a little bit besides the bigs. So um, he hasn't, like, he has a lot of weapons to work with and I think he'll figure it out. So I actually had them going 22 and eight. Um, I was thinking they go 11 and one in non-conference play the non-conference schedule is really easy. I didn't see really anyone on there who looked like was going to give us trouble. But um, in the Big 12, I predicted 11 and 7, um, you know, a little bit more above 500. But that's just kind of how the season goes usually for everyone. I mean, you know, even if Oklahoma has a down year, we're going to split with them. We're going to split with Texas. We're going to split with Kansas. Those are just things that we do every year. So, um you know, it's going to be interesting. And then the last loss that I have, I have us losing to Arkansas in that random SEC challenge game during the Big 12 season. So that gives us the eighth loss. But I do think we'll make the tournament. I'm not sure what type of seed, but it's really going to depend on how well the team meshes. I mean, this could be a team with a first round exit or this could be a team who makes an, an elite eight run. Just depends on how healthy everyone stays and, you know, how well that uh, the, the, if Huggins could find the right lineup that gels together in the rotations that gets the most out of this squad. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you're right. If they go 11 and seven in conference play, I think that'll be a, a great year with, you know, having so many new guys out there, not really knowing what you have coming into this year. I think that'll be a great season. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick, I'd say probably first or second round exit in the tournament, but who knows? I mean, it's early in the season. I mean, all these predictions, you know, don't mean much because you could have a completely different team you're watching in late February, early March. Um, but it, it's kind of exciting because I can't remember the last time we had a team where there's just so many question marks and we don't really know what we're going to see this year. Right. And, you know, I think with the weaker non-conference schedule, that helps out a lot. You know, you with Huggins, he can just, you know, he could throw young guys out there without really having to worry because you can always just fall back and bring in the right guys. You know, like in, against Oakland, he started the Cottrell, who I think is going to play a lot of minutes this year because I think his skill set is super unique. But whenever he needed to lock down, he brought in Gabe. And it's great to have a guy like that who's willing to come off the bench and can come off the bench and make such a big difference. And I think we have kind of three versions of Gabe now with uh, Polly Cap and Kerrigan. So, you know, I, I don't know if Huggins would ever get crazy and play all three of them at once. But, I mean, could you imagine going against – that interior defense and trying to score against that wall of arms and legs. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't pa put it past Huggins to do it because he loves defense, but you know, it, it's just great to have more defense down there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, with uh, you. so, so to, uh, to close it out, um, I, I just wanted to share some 
additional news. Um, so today was a uh, letter of intent day for basketball and WVU had three commits sign on the dotted line to come to school at WVU next year. Um, the weird thing that I thought is that the first two players have the same first name. Um, so the first is Josiah Harris, the six foot seven forward from Cleveland, um, had a pretty impressive offer list, Ohio state, Southern Methodist University, Xavier, Wichita State, Kansas State, and Georgia Tech. Um, Ohio State kind of offered late. Um, he drew praise for actually playing um, some really good defense at the Peach Jam against the former number one ranked um, incoming or in, number one ranked recruit, Imani Bates. Um, a lot of people considered him to be the next Kevin Durant or LeBron. He's been considered uh, I think he won Gatorade player of the year as a sophomore in high school and uh, Josiah came in and played really good defense on him in one of the tournaments they played together in um so exciting another physical win wing for hugs um next is Josiah Harris and he actually it's hard to find recruiting grades and news on him because he's a six foot one point guard from West Virginia um so you know reading trying to find analysis on him it was more just finding um, news articles about people who talk to coaches that um, have coached against him. And the coaches had a pretty impressive comp to give him. They called him a more athletic version of Truck Bryant. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, Truck Bryant comes with positive and negative connotations um, in the WVU community. I like Truck. Um, some people didn't like Truck. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he comes in and does. And then finally, rounding out the class um, is a junior college player, Pat Sumanik, six foot eight forward. Um, he played for Robert Morris for a year before going to junior college, and now he is coming to WVU. Um, he did have an offer from Texas A&M, and he is more of a physical um, interior player, probably more in the mold of Gabe. Um, I think he's supposed to be able to shoot a little bit. Um, so maybe a shooting Gabe, maybe less of a hard nosed, high motor person, but who knows till he gets here. Yeah, those are exciting uh, guys to to add to the squad. It'll be interesting to see what um, Coach Huggins does to to make up his team next year because we are going to be losing so many people. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see if he puts a lot of faith in the young guys or if he goes the junior college route. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think this year we only have the three scholarships because from my understanding, the way it works is Taz and Gabe do not count against their scholarship count since they're coming back for their COVID year. So we have two extra scholarships now um, and we're using those this year. So when Polycap, Kerrigan and Curry leave, um, those would take away three scholarships that those three are filling. And I think we might have one more with Sean. Um, but I guess Hugs isn't going to use that, or maybe he'll use that one later. Um, college basketball scholarship counts are, are confusing um, because of what counts the when and who, especially with the COVID year, kind of throwing a wrench into things. So, yeah, um, that's the, all the basketball news that I have. Anything else from you? No, yeah. that's it for me. Awesome. Well, right. uh, you want to close this out? Yeah. Um, please check us out, guys, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, 
Voice of Motown podcast. Please look for us on Spotify. When new episodes drop, we're going to try to do a basketball one at least once a week. Um, we'll probably have some special episodes if we're if we're playing like Kansas or have a big game coming up. Um, and of course, we'll still be doing the football podcast all the way up until the end of the football season. So please follow us. Please check us out. And we appreciate you guys listening. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, make sure to like, send us feedback, follow us, um, anything that helps you keep up to date and helps us make our content better for you guys. So don't feel f- afraid to, um, you know, let us know what you like and don't like, because we want to make things that you all like. So uh, for the, the Voice of Motown podcast, I'm Brandon Cork. And I'm Tyler Peppy. Thanks for listening, guys. See ya. Thanks.